You are listening to Move With Radiance with Stephanie Dankelson, a podcast all about redefining your relationship to exercise, food, and your body by learning how to first redefine the relationship with yourself. Are you ready to discover your inner truth, your inner radiance? Because we all deserve to feel at home in our bodies. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Move With Radiance. I'm Stephanie, and thank you for being here. I have been thinking so much about... I came across this fitness quote the other day, and I've just been thinking about it a lot. And it's actually perfect fit for this episode because we dig into a lot of like the just fitness and movement and changing our viewpoint around it and changing what it means and how we look at fitness and movement and exercise and all that kind of stuff. But the quote I came across was, be stronger than your excuse. And that was something that I used to, like, I would have been so motivated by that quote. And I know that I've used something similar to that in the past to like, keep myself motivated. And I want to talk about the issue that I now find (laughs) with that, because I mean, if you look at everything and the way that the fitness industries talk about, you know, losing weight and moving your body and eating and all this kind of stuff. It's like, we, it's a no wonder we have these crazy, insane, impossible expectations for ourselves. And it's a no wonder we have all of these like rules placed around the way that we should be eating, the way that we should be moving and the way that we should be structuring our day and the way that we should be working and blah, 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 blah. blah. It's like, it's never ending and it's causing so much suffering because if I when like living by this quote, be stronger than your excuse. It's basically saying to ignore everything that ever comes from your body and everything that ever comes from your body is an excuse. And therefore, you're weak, you're wrong, you're bad, you're lazy, you're not enough, blah, 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 blah. It makes me sad and mad because so many people are motivated by that and in being motivated by that, we're teaching ourselves straight up to not trust our bodies, to ignore anything that comes from our bodies, that anything coming from our bodies that is not in alignment with our goal of losing weight or looking a certain way, or it's not in alignment with our meal plan that week or our exercise plan that week, then like, then it's bad or we're wrong. We feel shame and it's creating so much more disconnection with ourselves. And so it's like, it's a no wonder we all are so disconnected from our bodies because that's what we're told. That's the way we're, we've been taught with this exercise and fitness bullshit. <laughs> and it's like, we've lost this meaning of what it actually means to fuel ourselves or to move or all of these things because if we're doing that in a way that helps us actually feel good and we're listening to our body's cues and maybe we're skipping the morning workouts a couple times a week because we're exhausted or, you know, we're, we're choosing to eat for pleasure and we have a good relationship with food and there's no labels on it and all that stuff. Like, like that's health. Like that's what we're after. We're after the sense of freedom. We're after the sense of like feeling really good. Like that's why I feel like a lot of us start these things in the first place is because we're trying to fix something that feels shitty in our lives. So we control and manipulate all these things that actually won't get us to where we want to be. So I hate that quote. (laughs) I think that it needs to shift. And instead of placing these hard rules around our lives, instead of living by, that's an excuse, like just stop living by these excuses, stop sleeping in, stop doing all this stuff, like stop listening to your body. Like if we're living by that, we're missing the point. So look at where you're holding all of these crazy expectations and see how much, if you can be a little bit more compassionate with yourself. I like to shift the rule, the word rule from rule to boundary, because if we're looking, if we're looking at it as a boundary and the way I think about boundary is like, it's malleable, it's moldable. It's like, it's, 
a rule is not meant to be broken. So if we're looking at our lives with these harsh rules and something doesn't go to plan or life happens and we can't fulfill that or we break the rule, then there's a lot of shame in that. So let's lift the rules. Let's start looking at our lives in a way that's like, what will make me feel the best right now? And just be gentler with yourself. (laughs) I think this episode will be really good for this because, you know, Jake, in this interview, we talk about, you know, weight stigma, which I think is a really important conversation. And and the way that we see the like different body types and the automatic biases that biases, say that word, (laughs) with the bias that we have when it comes to certain body types and removing that. I think that that's such an important conversation and to be really honest with ourselves and to look at the way that we, we view bodies and to start changing our perspective that starts with us as individuals. But we also talk about his unique approach to personal training, which his method of personal training is completely removed from weight loss. So with his clients, he talks about creating this relationship where movement is removed from like weight loss and it's just for the pure sake of moving and the benefits that we get from just moving our bodies. So that's what I talk about today with Jake. I'm excited to share this conversation. The audio is a little off in some places. I'm, I know I've gotten some feedback on, on audio, so I'm working on it. (laughs) So I'm not sure why this one is a little wonky, but bear with me. That's something I'm going to be focusing on moving forward. And yeah, before we dive in, let me tell you a little bit more about Jake. Jake is an experienced personal trainer who focuses on tearing down the barriers to exercise and emphasizes an inclusive approach to fitness that goes beyond how we look. He holds a master's degree in sports, health, and exercise science with a keen interest in physical activity engagement while acknowledging social determinants of health. I hope you enjoy this episode, and here is Jake. Jake, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me, Stephanie. Yeah. I'm really excited to have this conversation today. I found you via Instagram. Actually, one of the other women I interviewed referred me to you. And I think she follows you too. And found your page and I just really love what you're doing. So Jake, I'd love for you to start off with telling us a little bit about you and why you're doing the work that you're doing. And we can just go from there. So my name's Jake. I am a personal trainer in the UK and have been for some time. Um, I've got a master's in sports health and exercise science. Um, I essentially run my own personal training business out of a private facility um, or one-to-one training facility that my friend owns. Um, my journey as a personal trainer has changed a lot over the years. Um, Partly as with the emerging of like new evidence, looking at kind of things like weight or understanding of things like weight stigma, um, looking at things like weight loss and the impact it has on people's mental health. Um, and other things such as just kind of my experience, just talking to people, whether they're professionals or people that are in the trenches essentially and on the receiving end of certain interventions and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, that's, that's who I am. Um, I work with a variety of clients ranging from young as 16 all the way to through to their seventies. Um, and my main outcome is trying to help them improve their quality of life or without essentially doing any harm. Um, and that's what my kind of personal training is about in a short summary. Yeah. So I love the way that you think about it because when you think a lot of, when you, when you typically think about personal trainers, their goal is to help you lose weight. And that's typically their whole premise behind what they do. And you take a unique approach in that your main goal isn't weight loss. It's a lot of other things that come with, you know, the benefits of exercise. And so what, what helped you get into that 
piece of it and kind of move away from the whole, um, needing to lose weight around personal training. So yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's quite a long journey. Um, obviously when I first started out in the industry, um, I was kind of naive and you kind of just follow the narrative that like, obviously personal training, the aim is weight loss, so on and so forth. And so you try to be the best you can be in that respect. And that was to try and you got, you get caught up with like the body transformations. You want to try and get people losing weight as fast as possible, so on and so forth. Um, and you wanted to try and find the best ways to help people with that. And as you kind of go through ex- over the years, you get more experience with regards to that. You kind of realize and start unraveling how complicated like weight loss it is and how it or in its very nature um, and how um, complex health is and how many, how many factors are involved from uh, income to invite the environment someone's in. Um, and rather than it was just kind of looking at people essentially struggling and rather than blaming them, I kind of started looking towards my own practices and looking at, well, I can't really, if I, if I keep placing the blame and onus and responsibility on that individual, then I'm almost saying that it's their problem that they can't be helped. And then the, the final kind of thing that clicks for me was just being introduced to some academics. One of them is Dr. Louise Mansfield in the UK, um, who's done various things in health at every size. Um, and there's another uh, dietitian that's quite well known who's called Lucy Afremore. And again, she does, she wrote Body Respect with uh, Linda Bacon, who's a author um, that we should check out. And it kind of, opened my eyes and made me question my own practice as such and I realised that what I had been doing over the years was essentially doing some people a disservice in the sense that I was providing them with something that was only temporary rather than permanent that weight loss is something that very few people sustain particularly when they leave an intervention and it also doesn't guarantee the things that people think it guarantees and the way that people market it, like obviously improved confidence and their relationship with their bodies and so on and so forth. But everyone believes this that's the way it is when it's not true. Um, and in some cases, particularly from my own experience, as well as observing through others and looking at the evidence, is that actually you become hyper aware of certain things. You become really aware of like your own body when you kind of get caught up in this fitness world and it's this game of comparison and actually it can exacerbate those feelings of self-doubt, kind of negative body image, so on and so forth. And that's really why how I ended up where I am today and it's kind of understanding and appreciating people's mental health and trying to provide people with a service and without essentially doing any harm or minimizing any negative impact I may have. Because the last thing I want to do is someone pay me to essentially make them feel bad um, about themselves or, or not essentially provide them with what they initially expected. My job now is to essentially provide people with a better understanding about exercise, um, how it can be used, what they don't need to worry about, um, and what it is and what it isn't. So it's providing people with essentially a argument or something with regards to exercise, nutrition, saying you don't need to worry about this, you don't need to worry about that. Here's what you should potentially be concerned with. So it's a balance of view as such. It, it, that's where I'm trying to get at as opposed to you need to do this, you need to do that. And it's providing people with power and that's it in a nutshell. Mm. Yeah. You said a few things that I want to expand upon. Um, I, I think at some point I would like to hear your thoughts on like your, the way you teach those things and just your approach on, instead of saying, do this, do this, do this, do this, like 
how you're educating people around that. Maybe we can dig into that if we've got time. But one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit more was how exercise and focusing on weight loss can actually bring out things like comparison and moving away from the feeling that we actually want that I think we all actually crave when we think about with the whole diet industry and why people go on diets and why people want to lose weight. I think we all crave a sense of like freedom or whatever that is, um, which I don't think you can achieve through just losing weight. Um, that's besides the point, but can we talk about what negative things can come about by just focusing on the weight loss and what you, what you've typically been seeing with diet culture and how that's been bringing out those types of things in people. Yeah. I mean, when someone focuses on a goal such as weight loss, quite often we're telling people to essentially shrink themselves down to us or try and reach a certain ideal. Um, That varies. That ideal might vary from person to person. And in some cases though, in order to do that, you might have to encourage specific behaviors that might end up being considered disordered in some respects. So, for example, those that kind of try to lose weight might exhibit disordered eating patterns, disordered exercise patterns, um, a negative relationship with their own body, negative relationship with food and exercise and various other issues that we kind of, some of us just take for granted. And just because of things like social media, we kind of normalize them. So for example, uh, using technology and obsessing over like 10,000 steps and obsessing over kind of calorie counting or this big thing with macro counting and so on and so forth. And like every person trainer now is, is obsessed with calling that evidence-based practice and saying well this is how you lose weight as long as you meet your calories and or consume less calories than you burn it's just really just the 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 effects you just see it in people's faces whether it doesn't matter how much weight they lose or if they don't lose any weight at all they still kind of don't feel they're doing enough don't feel they're they're good enough and it's just this whole weight loss practice as such it's just becoming more and more damaging the bigger it gets it's just one of those things that you just see from experience um and it's just taking a step back really and trying well just trying to again look at the evidence i mean 95 percent of people that do try and lose weight regain it anyway um so i mean if we're essentially not telling people that and telling people that you can lose weight um, and keep it off, essentially lying to 95% of people. Um, and because they're a health professional is telling them that, they will, be, they will believe that essentially. And then they will continue to blame themselves. And then it becomes the, those feelings of guilt, like I'm weak, I'm incompetent, it's all my fault, and you've got this guilt, shame, negative feelings um, towards oneself, uh, kind of hatred towards their body because they, they feel they're abnormal, they feel they're not part of, accepted by society. And it just it just spirals into, it, it just creeps into every aspect of their life, uh, whether it's social, whether it's uh, just at home, whether it's in their own heads, and it and even things like it can impact physical health. Like, I mean, continue kind of obsessive dieting and trying to lose weight all the time through all these diets and just this really bizarre kind of exercise patterns just can essentially increase risk of various diseases. And it's not, it's not really worth it. Um, so yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. And something else too, that, I've been exploring a little bit more that I've been seeing a lot is that we are on this pursuit of thinness and that has been disguised as or bucketed as health. And so, so many people, like you said, engage in just like disordered behaviors that we deem as 
healthy because they are thin. Like we're putting a bandaid over a bullet wound in a sense, because we're not, we're like encouraging people to do these things that are actually harmful for your health, but because you're on the pursuit of thinness, which is healthy, I'm using air quotes, um, then it's okay. And so that is something I just want to create more awareness around is that if you're actually on the pursuit of health, these behaviors that you're engaging in won't get you there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's no guarantee. Um, yeah, there's no guarantee. There's so many factors to consider that you, uh, it's going to be different for one person to another. And we, a lot, a lot of like messages out there assume or make the assumption that everyone's on a level playing field, uh, that everyone has equal opportunity, that everyone has equal access to resources. And that's just not true. Um, some people don't have equal access to environments that support exercise. Not everyone can go out for a jog or a run um, in a, a manner that's safe. I mean, obviously the whole kind of Me Too stuff that's been going on and all this talk about sexual assault. And there's no doubt that women will find walking or jogging outside quite a challenge. It's something they don't want to risk their own lives and they'll so they'll avoid it. So there's things like that to consider, which people often take for granted or go, oh no, that's silly, it doesn't matter. Um, and, and that's part of the problem. It's not always not, not an empathy or awareness or understanding of these, these various factors. Yeah, for sure. And also, so I guess this is a good segue into talking a little bit more and exploring a little bit more about weight stigma and just how people in larger bodies, I feel like don't get the same respect as those in a different body and how this awareness around the equality of bodies and using, I think a lot of times our biases about what it means to be in a certain size body means comes out when we're trying to talk about health and we're kind of throwing out our opinions and creating this, just creating this environment where people don't feel safe because yeah. you know what I mean? And I want to explore your thoughts a little bit more on that as well. Uh, well, I mean, when it comes to things like weight stigma, obviously well, when it comes to things like obesity and fat people in, in general, the general cons consensus is or belief is that being fat is bad for you. Being fat is uh, purely an individual responsibility um, and that you need to do something about it. Otherwise, you're essentially driving yourself to an early grave. Um, that is kind of in the general consensus and it's just generally been accepted despite no one really kind of going into the evidence um, and looking at it critically. Um, the more you kind of Looking into obesity research, you understand that actually when it comes to things like health, there's obviously a certain level of risk um, and we don't talk about this risk and we don't talk about other factors that might essentially impact someone's health. We don't talk about physical activity or how active someone might be. We don't talk about their dietary status. We don't talk about their social classes or or their income, which are all factors which will determine someone's health. And instead, we just kind of fixate on on someone's body image. And if they're larger, that means that's a problem. And it's, it's something that needs to be fixed um, when it isn't necessarily true. But because people perceive it in that way, then they attach a stigma to it. And I mean, when it comes to things like weight stigma, like in terms of the fitness culture is it, really rife, um, particularly in gyms and so on and so forth. Um, there's various studies that talk about how personal trainers actually have admitted to wanting to train or prefer to train people in thinner bodies because they perceive them as more likely to follow advice, not as lazy, uh, more competent, so on and so forth. And I think that's unfair. And it's, again, you're Put, you're immediately putting up barriers to these people who essentially might come to you for advice and trying to get involved within within fitness. You're essentially saying you're discrediting them before you've even spoken to them, before you've even tried to 
understand their challenges, so on and so forth, because you've made the assumption that based on this person's size, they're lazy, they're not likely to follow your advice. Um, they'll just come up with excuses rather than actual, real, tangible barriers that all sorts of people in different sh shapes and sizes experience. Um, and it becomes a real problem because obviously if we're not helping these people get active, then they're not reaping the benefits of physical activity. And again, that might increase their health risk. So think weight stigma impacts these people in a various number of ways by denying them essentially equal or fair opportunities, which people in thinner bodies would get purely based on discrimination and assumption. Um, and it's something that we need to kind of, as a society, address more fairly, critique and like the evidence and not kind of take something as a gold standard, for example, like being fat is bad. We need to be more critical about that. Um, and we also just need to treat people with equal respect, essentially, and treat fat people the same way you, you treat thin people in the way that you try and support them, whether you're a physiotherapist, whether you're a nutritionist, dietitian, um, mental health professional or personal trainer at the end of the day. If, if they're coming to you for help, the first thing you don't want to do or can't do is let your biases take over and make assumptions about someone before you've either, before they've even essentially opened their mouth because you have no idea what they've been through or what they're going through. Um, and especially if you've not been, if you're, if you've never been kind of fat or in a larger body and you certainly can't, it hadn't experienced what they've experienced. And that's quite difficult, but it's very important that people recognize that um, and try to learn from these people and understand why it, it's, a, it's a problem um, and ensure that they're, opinion is valid and if if someone says that weight stigma is, is is a problem to them then we need to we can't brush that aside we need to address it if we want to support them absolutely and you know i think too i think people get disregarded if someone comes in in a larger body and they say that there's something wrong i've heard so many stories of the doctor just dismissing the fact that there's something wrong and telling them that they need to lose weight and i think we just need to create more awareness in that people in all body types can have disordered eating behaviors can have disordered relationships with food can have a disordered relationship with exercise and i think we need to stop commending weight loss because it is leading to these it can you don't know what someone's going through and if we're commending weight loss, but we don't actually know how, like what I'm, what am I, what I'm trying to say, if someone's in a thinner body and they are pursuing or they have disordered relationship with food and maybe they get to a certain point in their size where it becomes a problem or a concern, if that makes sense. But I think someone in a larger body, it's always commended that they are losing weight regardless of the kind of behaviors that they are engaging in. Does that make sense? Like, I think we just need to be aware that everyone can have some sort of disordered relationship with food and that we just need to stop focusing on weight loss and really get to know the person, just like you said, and understand what they're going through before we start slapping labels on or start thinking that we understand what's happening with them or what their problem is before getting to know exactly what's going on. I mean, yeah, it goes back to things like risk at the same day. At the end of the day, people who are in thinner bodies can essentially still get the same diseases, ailments, illnesses that people in larger bodies can get, which are commonly associated with being in a larger body. Um, we, we can't deny that. There's, there's evidence for both. There might be a certain level of correlation, but then we can't say, oh, it's down to your body weight, that that's the reason. There are various factors that we need to then consider. Is it like physical activity status, so on and so forth? Or is it genetics? Is it the environment we're in? Again, it's just treating people with equal respect and opportunities so that we can, you can actually get to the root of said problem. Um, and then you actually, rather than just 
kind of giving everyone some blanket kind of answer, especially when it's something that's not guaranteed as well. I mean, weight loss is, like I said, when we're going back to weight loss, like 95% of people essentially regain weight. So if you're trying to help someone with type 2 diabetes or so on and so forth by getting them to lose weight, what's the chance for them then of, of going essentially regaining the weight and just reverting back to where they started. How do we know that it's, it's permanently reversible if you're focusing on weight loss as, a, as opposed to the root of the problem, which might involve looking at something else and shifting the focus away from weight. So yeah, it's just, again, we just can't make this. this too often we're making assumptions about someone based on very little evidence or based on the fact that someone just walks in the door. And that becomes a, that affects people in some cases with with all such shapes and sizes, such as eating disorders as well, because mm-hmm. we've too fixated on things like BMI. Um, and that if we want to kind of manage people effectively and treat people effectively, then or support people effectively, then we need to kind of change the way we we view bodies and change the way we view or hold up stuff um, arbitrary numbers such as BMI. That's okay. I want to talk, you read my brain because I was thinking about BMI as you were talking about that. And that was a number that, or a a metric that I think is so outdated. And I still seeing, I still see it being used today as a metric of health. And I fall in the overweight category based on my body size right now. And I feel like I am in the best place in terms of my relationship with my body and food. And so can we, for those of us who don't know what BMI is can we talk about that a little bit and just maybe why it's not an accurate measure of health? I mean, yeah, but BMI is a measure that dates way back. Well, I can't remember when it first they first coined it. It's, it's a few years now. It's just an arbitrary measure based on essential height and weight as such, um, and then they categorise people based on that calculation whether. Say for example, twenty around twenty five is is suggested ideal range in inverted commas, and obviously anything like thirty and above, you considered obese. And when we get lower down, you might be considered an underweight. Um, the real the thing is though, it's the problem with it is BMI is based on a collection of data with regards to predominantly uh, white people. So the potential risks as such might vary, whether you're Asian, black, so on and so or Indian, so on and so forth. Um, and also it doesn't define things such as kind of your blood pressure. It doesn't define your mental health. It's just a population measure that people use on an individual basis. Interesting enough, in what was it 1998 I believe don't quote me on that and the well the US decided that actually they were going to reduce the cutoff point from 27 to 25 just to kind of be in line with essentially the rest of the world so it immediately shifted a few million Americans from being normal weight into being overweight and there's just kind of no real kind of evidence or basis for it. it and it kind of just feeds into the the whole conversation surrounding obesity and like they call it an epidemic when realistically, if you manipulate the figures and show from 27 to 25, you're going to show this massive spike in people who are overweight despite nothing really changing other than you just shift the goalpost. So it's it's often taken out of context. It's often used as uh, the big indicator of health. Like they'll use it in the doctors all the time. They'll use it in gyms. They'll use it. Nutritionists will often use it, despite us all kind of knowing the limitations of it. Um, and people kind of go, well, oh, no, I don't really understand what this actually means. Like, what's my risk of poor health? What's my current risk of disease? And no one can give you a definitive response because it, it's just 
just one poor measure. It doesn't measure your phys- physical activity levels, for example, and increase your physical activity levels will essentially reduce your risk of things like type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease. Um, managing your diet um, can potentially re- reduce your risk as well. And these are things that aren't looked at. And there'll be people within a healthy BMI range that all might be overlooked and might be physically inactive. They might smoke. Um, they might eat. Well, they won't eat necessarily eat balanced diets, but because they're healthy BMI, who like often it's like, well, it doesn't matter really. Um, and that's kind of BMI in a nutshell. Um, it, it's just there's so many limiting factors towards it, and it's just so it it doesn't provide people with context or any understanding, and it just causes stress and concern for people as opposed to being a realistic and reliable measure of health. Um, and it just kind of needs to be removed essentially um, but unfortunately in research and in healthcare it's still used on a frequent basis because it's just a simple way or it's suggested that it's a simple way to measure population health uh, um, and it's not really questioned enough um, within public health I mean it's questioned by some academics and health professionals but there's more work that still needs to be done in ensuring that actually we stop stop using it. Yeah, I and I still see it being used today, and it really that's one metric that just it boils my blood. And it in the end, I think there's just it just creates more of this fear of being overweight or obese, according to this chart. And I the way that we approach a lot of these things just instills so much fear. And I just don't think that you can heal anything with fear or move forward in a positive, loving way when you have fear behind all of these things. And just how much fear we've put into being a certain size in this world today, it's creating more damage than good. And it's just something why I'm so thankful for you know, your voice and for the things that I see people doing because we need a new way. It's just not it's not working and it's not serving anybody <laughs> quite frankly. So can we talk about just, I want to dig into your approach a little bit more about how you take on a client. Um, I know, so I have my personal training certification and I sort of moved away from it from a little bit just because the way that it was taught to me was with the goal of changing someone's body Um, and so I would really love to hear when you bring on a client, like what's the approach that you take in making sure that they feel safe with you and with, with bringing on new physical activity or whatever it is that their goal is like how, and do you get people that ask for weight loss? Um, or do you typically have clients that know that you're not focused in that area? So I'm just curious about your work. Well, I mean, I do still get, irrespective of how you message or position yourself, because you're a personal trainer, there's still certain connotations associated with personal trainers, which is weight loss. So I will still get inquiries with regards to, can you help me lose weight? Can you help me look a certain way? I want to tone this, tone that in in terms or the terms they use, essentially. Um, And it comes at this point that you just have to have an open and honest conversation with them. Tell her, I kind of don't necessarily go straight off the bat on my opinion. I tend to like to ask questions. So I try and help people find the answer on their own by getting them, by asking the right questions so they can have, they can produce the answers. And if they don't know or so on and so forth, then I help them guide them. And in some respects, that's quite empowering. It means that we're on equal level field, uh, playing field with regards to respect. Um, and it's a, it's a joint effort. So if someone comes to me with regards to weight loss, I go, what is it? Why do you feel that you want to lose weight? Like, what do you hope to gain out of losing weight? Do you think it's, this is realistic? And when you kind of start asking these questions that people either don't have a sufficient response or they kind of haven't really thought about it in detail, so they kind of stop in the tracks. So you get some people 
with the assumptions that they want to kind of feel more confidence, have better body image, so on and so forth. And then at that point, you go, well, okay, then I will provide, I will say, or talk about how weight loss isn't necessarily guaranteed to give someone that um, and how sometimes it might not necessarily be the right focus, so on and so forth. So I try and shift people away from weight loss or emphasizing or purely focusing on that. I say, well, you might find that you'll feel a bit better just by kind of learning to enjoy movement a little bit more, focusing on other goals such as fitness goals, which are a bit more easily measurable. They're less stressful. Because I also tell them the pitfalls of, of trying to weigh yourself. Irrespective, I'll obviously tell the limitations. And I say at the end of the day, even I've had previous history of clients, even when I've told people the limitations of weight, they every time they've decided to weigh themselves, they've tried and they've got hung up about it. Um, and I said, Well, it doesn't used there's no kind of oh, I'll just weigh myself here and there. You just need to flat out stop because it will just eat away at you and it's meaningless otherwise so yeah and then so with regards to new clients they can essentially then make the decision whether they want to work with me i always say there's there's never any pressure i say it's it's a relationship that has to work on both ends i say it doesn't matter how much i know it doesn't matter um whatever my style is or how effective it may be if you don't enjoy working with me then or you don't like me as a person, then it's never going to work because at the end of the day, you've got to come here or work with me and look forward to working with me, not turn up and go, I really wish I'm just not comfortable with it at all. So with regards to these clients, they either make the decision that they want to do it or they don't um, based on the new evidence and the new kind of information I've given them. Um, and in some cases, people might not want to train with me because then they actually go, well, if it's not going to bring me body confidence, then I'm not, it's not worth investing my time. Or they might say, oh, he's not telling me what I want to hear, so I'll go somewhere else. Or they'll, or they'll sign up with me because they think it sounds, or it sounds so much better. <clears throat> and then we work together. And with my clients, it's again, it's putting the power back into their hands. So it's never going, you need to do this, you need to do that. I can't remember the last time I've ever kind of said to someone flat out that you should be doing this, you should be doing that. It's always a conversation. Um, it's asking questions. So if, if someone is said, I'm, str- um, I'm struggling to feel motivated to exercise or outside of gym sessions, so on and so forth, you could be like, well, what do you feel might help you? Um, what do you feel might work for you and what, or what's not worked what have you tried in the past and you get them just unraveling and ask, answering these questions so that they can then come to the conclusion and if, if I do send give them any recommendations say for example perhaps we could try you know spending time outside with the kids and going for walks with them and so on and so forth and I always kind of say well how does that sound to you um, is that something you think you could do? So then they can make the decision themselves and not feel like they're being forced to do it. Because again, with motiva- motivation, a lot of it's to do with perceived competence. If someone doesn't believe that they can do something, they won't bother. So they have to make sure, and only essentially you only kind of know how confident or competent you feel yourself. I can't, I can't make that assumption for you. Obviously, there's certain trends, but you're your own individual and how you perceive yourself is, is what matters, irrespective of your fitness levels. So I have to then make sure, well, they they have to make the decision. They have to feel confident that they can do it or they, that they're competent. And if they're not competent, then we find something else until they feel they're confident. And then once you kind of expose them to that and they go, okay, actually, yeah, I can do that, it kind of builds their confidence. And you build it it's building blocks as such and you build on from that. Um, and sometimes it might be slower and you might be able to, might have to take it really slow and spend a lot of time in one stage before then go to the next one. 
And in other cases, sometimes depending on experience, they might be able to jump through the building blocks and move progress quite fast. But yeah, it always goes back to asking them questions, putting the power in their hands. It's never, I'm not, I'm not a dictator. They essentially pay me to get them somewhere. I will tell them, okay, as honestly as I can, this is where I can take you. But obviously there's caveats there, like there's limitations, like you're not going to be superhuman overnight, so on and so forth. And in some cases, progress might be faster, progress might be slower in terms of their fitness goals or, or whatever. And that's kind of like the approach I take, I take really. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, I know some with some people, some people just like that direction. They like just being told what to do and not having to think about it. But it just really depends on the person. I always find that the most important thing is to be adaptable to that person and essentially do no harm and work. So that's talking to them beforehand and getting to know them as, as well as you can without essentially kind of feeding negative traits as such, such as disordered eating, such as disordered patterns with exercise. Um, and that's kind of the whole approach I kind of, I kind of take. I, I think that's great because we're, you're essentially helping, we're kind of bringing the awareness back to like what exercise can be instead of this like horrible fear-based like thing that should suck all of the time. And I think when you're removing that fear around, like you should be doing this, you have to be doing this. You're like, you're actually helping more people find a better, healthier relationship with exercise in a way that they enjoy opposed to this dictatorship, like you need to do this or else, you know, you're not going to hit your weight loss goals and all that kind of stuff. And so I think it's a much healthier approach and a much a gentler approach to helping people who may not have a relationship with exercise adapt one in a way that feels good to them. And honestly, like that has been like, that's something that I want to start talking about more because I think there are so many great benefits to exercise when we have a healthy relationship with it. And when there's not fear around needing to exercise so that we can fit into this body type, it's just now purely based on, either the enjoyment or these really cool goals that you can meet, um, in an internal way. And so I think that that's, I, I love that approach. I, so I had a question, have you ever had a client where their initial goal was weight loss and after working with you, they've shifted that perspective and actually found a better, I don't want to say a better approach or maybe yeah, a better approach or like a, a similar outcome without having to achieve weight loss. Have you ever encountered something like that? So a number of my clients uh, I've had for a number of years now, um, they've just kind of wanted to stay with me for that length period of time. Um, we build up a relationship with them. Um, and in some cases, the initial stages work on things like weight loss, kind of losing body fat so on and so forth. Um, and obviously during that time, as I transition and I learn more about it, my ethos changed from obviously weight centric approach and to a non-weight centric approach. So my then one of the dilemmas I kind of had was how do I still deliver something that people want or essentially deliver them a service without or shifting away from what they initially wanted. And it's it's kind of showing people and having asked them difficult questions or things like that and kind of showing them that weight loss isn't might might have kept you there or might have got you started or introduced into fitness in the first place, but it's not something that will ever keep you there. And it's it's then kind of reestablishing goals and going, okay, then let's kind of shift the focus away from your body and getting fixated on that. And I understand that this is something that I might have taught you in the initial stages years ago. Um, but this is kind of the evidence now, and this is what I'm suggesting that actually, if you keep trying to focus on your weight, it might become problematic. And in, in some cases, particularly when people like fit within in, within what was deemed the norm as such. I mean, uh, some people that if they their obsession with weight loss could mean that they kind of get 
dangerously low in terms of in terms of weight. Um, and that's not something you ever kind of want. You don't want people obsessing over exercise or or, or refusing to eat based on that. So a lot of this time it is in some cases just unpicking a lot of stuff. It's getting people to um, challenge their the way they talk. So challenge anything that revolves around diet culture and getting them to shift away. So with regards to weight loss, I don't ever talk about it anymore. That, that is something it's just off the cards. Only when it, only if it ever got brought up. And in some cases, there'll be some things where I have clients that go see chiropractors or go see physiotherapists, and some of them will still be weight centric. And in some cases, I then have to challenge that, and we have to have a conversation talking about how why that might not be right or why that health professional is doing that, and so on and so forth. Because again, I can't control. I can only control what I do or what I say within that gym and how the conversations we have I can't control what this person what my client sees and it's not just I'm not the only influence there's thousands of influences I might there's thousands of influences out there ranging from social media to media in general to other professionals I have a large um for well influence in their life personally because I get a lot of one-to-one contact time I have to be aware of knowledge of the fact that sometimes there are other things that are quite influential. So, yeah, it is that steady transition. It has been hard and it's been, in some respects, it has been a learning curve. Um, but my clients are much better for it. They, they, they're much happier. They enjoy coming to see me. Uh, they don't feel guilty. They don't feel conscious about coming to see me. It's never kind of that dread whereas you get with some personal trainers or some like weight loss clinics where they kind of dread going because they're like, oh, I'm going to get told off again or so on and so forth. I've never had to, well, in theory, I've never actually had to raise my voice ever. I know it's something well, I shouldn't ever have to raise my voice. It's not something I'd never do, whereas I know some people would shout at someone for doing something. Um, I never place the blame on other pe- on, on people, particularly if they feel like other external factors get in the way. So, yeah, it's, it's been it's been a hard transition and it's been an eye-opening experience, but it's been a positive one, not only for myself, but for my clients. Um, and it's just now, obviously, anyone new that I take on, it's like I said, well, I challenge their thoughts and perceptions on weight loss. Um, and I get them shifting and looking at other goals, which they'd find far more enjoyable and rewarding and worthwhile than the, the pursuit of weight loss itself. And if their weight, if their body changes, then their body changes. Um, I don't comment on that. I don't feel the need to comment on that. I'll praise them for their achievements in the gym, the, what they've done there, and how if they're feeling great that day. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a journey as such. And obviously, there's still more work to do, and so on and so forth. There are so many people you meet that sometimes take you back and surprise you and obviously ask questions you've never come across before or have certain beliefs. And so you just, yeah, as much as I love academia and evidence on and so forth, just talking to people has been one of the best experiences in terms of shifting my focus and and learning the, yeah. through the process. Yeah, I love that. I just... I don't believe I used to, I used to really, um, I used to like when people would yell at me. Like I used to be very motivated by fear in that way. And so like you would see a lot of fitness trainers on TV or whatever, who are extremely, um, you know, tough love wins kind of thing where they would be screaming and yelling and blaming and, then you would see the results, but I just don't think that that works anymore. And I just learning what I know about fear and making our decisions from that place and having these core beliefs that we're not good enough, like those things fighting 
fighting with shame and hate never results in progress. It never results in healing and growth and all of the things that we're actually wanting. Like we just can't come from that place. And so just having your, your approach on creating just a better relationship with exercise via let's just talk about what works for you. And I'm just here as your support. I'm here to guide you like that. I think needs to be adopted all over because that in the end is going to yield the the kind of results that we want to see, which is yes, a better relationship with exercise, a better relationship with our body. And that's the end goal, I think within all of it. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think people, I think the whole narrative that personal trainers serve one purpose is kind of misleading. Um, obviously, personal trainers serve a huge, huge purpose, which is to introduce people to gym-based exercise, show people how to do it safely, um, get the most out of it, and how to enjoy it and have it as essentially an experience. Um, because I said, if you do it with the right people, you can enjoy doing it. Um, you can have a good experience with it. You can look forward to it. Um, some, I'm not going to say that everyone's guaranteed to do that because at the end of the day, some people just won't enjoy gym-based exercising, and that's fine. Uh, though there's other exercises or other sports that you can take part in. But yeah, this whole, we just need to change that narrative and give people another a view of what, what personal trainers can offer them so that they can then make a decision and they can, they're not stuck in this pressure to like go to personal trainers to lose weight. You're not worried about going to a personal trainer who's going to then fixate on their body all the time. Um, and so that they can actually enjoy it for what it is, which is more than just something that's trying to get someone to manipulate their body image. And like, obviously again, even so exercise is not a great way to lose weight anyway. So we should never kind of use that as the <laughs> narrative that it's there to, burn calories or there to essentially just kind of shrink yourself or manipulate your body. Um, there's, there's just so many other benefits to it. And it's, it's important that people get shown this um, so that we can kind of show people that actually, Hey, it's, it's not as scary or as intimidating as it's made out. It's not all kind of like pushing yourself to your collapse on the floor or struggle to walk. It's, it has meaning for different people um, and that's just as your your reason for exercising is probably just as valid as, as somebody else's so yeah it's just something that hopefully over time will start to change the more we kind of talk about it and the more people will start showing others that actually you don't need to focus on these body transformations you're not or you don't have you don't need to focus on weight loss you want to get the most out of exercise so yeah yeah and that it doesn't have to be a form of punishment it can just be from the pure enjoyment of moving your body because moving our body feels good and especially if you find something that brings you joy like just there's so many things that can count as exercise and you just you can learn to like one day if you don't feel like moving your body because you're tired or you're sick or you're not feeling great. Like there's no pressure in taking the time to recover. And yeah, I just think that this message is so important. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. I mean, it should, it should never be a form of punishment anyway. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's some people who love kind of the, the challenge of it and love pushing themselves really hard but it's never it should never be a form of, of punishment and obviously in a world that's kind of obsessed with moving more and moving faster it's, it's important not to negate the value of moving slower and taking your time and slowing exercise down not necessarily lifting heavy weights all the time um not always running or trying to achieve a personal best sometimes it's just getting immersed in the experience and just enjoying the flow of exercise um because again, things like we can't always go hard, like hard with exercise. It, it, there's so many factors to consider, and some days you might feel better than others. Some days you might feel worse. And the important thing is that you don't 
feel the need or the pressure to constantly go to the gym or constantly push yourself to the point of exhaustion each and every time. Mm-hmm. Just do it a bit more intuitively. See how you feel. Go by how you feel and go by what you enjoy as well. Um, yeah. But everybody is different as well. And I think two women have to consider their hormone health and all of those things. And if certain things aren't functioning, then how can we shift the exercise so that it works with us? And it's just when it comes from this intuitive place, when it comes from this place of love and enjoyment and, and, and knowing yourself, I think it can be just like, that's for me, what health is, is listening to your own body and making everything work for you so that you feel good. And so that you actually are achieving health according to, again, like your body, it doesn't have to fit into this box. And the more we just pay attention and the more we listen, I think this, the better it all gets. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, the much we're less stressed if we kind of stop focusing on, uh, focusing on the, uh, minutia um and the little kind of details it's just like the fitness industry just focuses too much on the little details like every little, little marginal gain and percentage and we're we're now a society focused and obsessed with metrics um and that we we've lost trust with our own bodies we've lost trust with thinking that we can do things the right way or or that we have to rely on technology to make sure that we're doing everything right um, and we're focused on kind of comparison again, like meeting guidelines, so on and so forth, when there are so many factors to consider that actually these metrics aren't necessarily an accurate reflection of either health or progress or, yeah, it's just something that we need to kind of stop obsessing about and take a step back and learn to appreciate exercise more than numbers more than figures more than percentages um because at the end of the day if we want to get more people active we need to find ways to keep them active as well um for longer term and focusing on things like weight focusing on obsessing over percentages or obsessing on moving faster and so on and so forth is is not the frame we should be taking essentially Yeah. Amen to that. Jake, is there anything that you want to say to everyone listening before we end our time today? Um, I think I've covered pretty much everything. I mean, like, again, I know we spoke about a lot about exercise, but I just also want to point out that exercise isn't necessarily a moral obligation. I know there's some people in a position that aren't ready to exercise yet. um, And that's okay. I don't want people to ever feel kind of pressured through my me talking about exercise a lot and talking about the way as a personal trainer getting people into exercise that, that they need to feel that pressure as such and there might be a time when you're ready to go to exercise and that time might not be now so yeah just take on board that actually there's there's more than one way to exercise there's more than one way to enjoy exercise exercise a different meaning and it's not a moral obligation so don't stress mm. and that's kind of the final point that I'd probably close on more so than anything else I love that um, where can people find you if they want to connect I mean I, it's kind of easier just to go on Instagram really um, which is the fit coach um, my Instagram handle yeah, is the fit coach is P-H-I-T um, or they can check out my website um, which is kind of going under some maintenance but will be properly running soon which is again thefitcoach.com which is P-H-I-T um, and then get me via either mediums whether they want to drop me an email drop me a line or whether they just want to drop me a message I'm more than happy to answer questions that people have or concerns and I'm always happy to talk and answer questions whenever people need me to or so on and so forth and it just helps kind of spread the word and show people a different paradigm of thinking which is important agreed 
Well, thank you so, so much for your time today and for talking with me and for sharing your story with everybody. I really think that this is so important and something we just need to be talking about more. So I really appreciate you and your work and this time. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Great. Well, thanks everyone for being here and we will all chat soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you at all resonated with today's message, please give it a share either with a friend or a family member or on Instagram. You can tag me at Stephanie Dankelson. The best way to get this podcast growing and to share this message with the world is through word of mouth. Thank you to those of you who have already shared this podcast. It means so much to me. I appreciate all of you and we will see you all soon.